The second story in this episode contains references to slavery, cruelty, mutilation, child death, and overall inhumane practices. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Emma. I'm Tash. And I'm Becky. Hello. Hi. Howdy. Oh. That's a good one. I love a howdy. I don't think we've done howdy before. I think we have actually, have we? No. Are we ready are we ready to move on to a howdy? Do you think we're there yet? We're there. You just have to embrace it when it comes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, lovely ladies? Good, thanks. How are you? Wonderful. Marvellous. Fabulous. Fantastic. I can't think of any other... Please convince yourself more. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What else am I? Ecstatic. Yeah. I'm okay. Becky, you good? I'm all right. I'm just... um, as I went to kiss my three-year-old goodnight, she went and nutted me in the head, went and like oh. headbutted me in the nose. That was just right in the nose. So uh, still kind of getting over that. <laughs> it brought tears to the eyes, but no, oh I'm all right. <laughs> the schnoz it does, definitely. Yeah, it hit it right on that spot where you're like, the and sweet it kind spot. of like goes up. Yeah, right on the sweet spot. Yeah, my little one did that to me on my wedding day and oh. I was just getting ready to, I was in my wedding dress and all my hair was up and everything and yeah, my one and a half year old nutted me right in the nose, full on panic because we're like, I think she's broken my nose, my mum's flailing about. Get, did it bleed? Get eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. Oh, you couldn't tell. Oh no, no, that's, uh, that's the, um, ice for you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Ice. I could just imagine your mum flailing around going, no, not today. <laughs> <laughs> She was. Oh, anyway, that mm. happened. Kids. Yeah. Also, why is hitting your funny bone so, it's such a weird feeling, isn't it? My left arm, I broke my elbow quite badly when I was younger and it's kind of exposed the funny bone or whatever that is nerve more and when I hit it it's it's paralyzing it's horrible it's 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 the weirdest pain isn't it it's horrendous it's like burning and you're just like oh my funny bone (laughs) (laughs) you know what it's not funny it's not funny it's not fucking funny have you ever hit it in like a business setting where you're supposed to be professional <laughs> and you can't go, I hit my funny bone. <laughs> that's also a, like, that's funny. the list of embarrassing things that I've done at, well, stuff, awkward things that I've done at work. Uh, there's one <sighs> in your knee, isn't there? There's got to be, because there's a spot on my knee. If I hit my knee, 
I nearly pass out from the pain. It's that painful. On your knee? On my knee, yeah. I think yeah. I've hit that before. I, don't, I, wouldn't, it's, I wouldn't describe it as like a, the same sensation as a, th- a funny bone, but it really... When you, there's a, a spot there and if you hit that, oh, like on the corner of a fucking table. Not me trying to hit my knee right now. <laughs> don't, don't do it. No, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. No, for me, it's actually worse than the funny bone. I've literally been on the floor, almost passing out, ears buzzing, blind because, you know. Ears buzzing. Pa- That's real pain, isn't it? Oh, yeah. White light in front of me, just crying. Like, I'm, I can't, I'm dying. And I wet myself. So there's that. Oh, I must have really hit something. Oh, I really hit it. Oh, oh baby. Yeah. Ben thought it was hilarious. I Oof. probably would have laughed too if you'd wet yourself. I, I don't laugh at people hurting themselves. I laugh at people wetting themselves. No, he only laughed once he realised I wasn't dying and the fact that I'd <sighs> piss myself because I'd banged oh. my knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which... Oh. Uh, that's the sign of a good relationship. <laughs> yes, yes. No, he made sure I was all right before taking the piss. He was like, oh, you're not dying. Now it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm. Last week, I knew I had done this and I couldn't remember who it was, but it was Joey from Please Don't Follow Me Home who had answered American Pie by Don McLean. And I knew I'd miss somebody out and it was her. So, Joey... I apologise. You got it right. So bravo well to done, you. babes. We're proud of you. Yeah. Yes. Is it American Pie it's called or when the music died or something like that? I just thought it was called American Pie. Bye, yeah, I think it's... I'll miss American Pie. I mean, I just literally Googled American Pie and it came up with that, so... Yeah, okay. it probably has some other name. But, ah, irrelevant. <laughs> the song from last week, which was the one I did, yep. The songs are very confusing, aren't they? Yeah. So the song I did last week, I only had one right answer. Did you girls get any answers for it? I got one. Oh, we've got two. Becky? I don't think so. So Ruth got it right. It was Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. Wake me up And Megan got it right. Okay, yep. Fantastic. Well done, ladies. Well done, everyone. Right. Oh, do you know... Last week we were talking about, I can't believe I didn't remember this. Do you know we were talking about embarrassing bodies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? And I can't believe this show actually existed. I don't think it does anymore. Do you remember the show called Naked Attraction? It still it exists. It still exists. Yeah. I watch it. <laughs> it's the funniest show ever. So my question to you... Regarding that program, would you rather be voted off because of your fanny or your face? Oh, my fanny. Oh, definitely my fanny. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I'd be voted off because of my fanny because it's quite cute. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's quite neat, you know. But, you know, depending, I mean, everyone has, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I don't think I should be Libby ashamed. I'm quite proud of that, but also I would be really upset if someone took me off because of my face. Well, exactly. I'm not saying I've got an ugly fanny. I'm just saying I like my face. And if somebody's like, oh, God, no, you're a minger, I'd be like really hurt. Whereas a fanny's a fanny, you know. 
No, I'd rather be voted off for my face. Before they've seen the face. Do they all come out, do they, don't they? They come out and say hello, or do they just walk off? Oh, no. and it's such that awkward naked hug, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that if I got voted off, I wouldn't want to come out and naked hug him. Right, we need to explain. Those flaccid, yeah, those flaccid penises don't belong on telly. <laughs> Oh, no one wants to see a flaccid penis. Yeah, but it's even better when they get like a semi when they see. Oh, when they wiggle it around a bit and they're like, oh, yeah, look at my big (laughs) winner. We need to explain the concept of this show to anybody that doesn't know what naked attraction is. Explain then, Emma. So it's a dating show, basically. So you've got somebody, a boy or a girl that comes out, they're fully clothed. And then is it six? I think it's six. Six, yeah. So it's six different contestants and they're all in different colored boxes and the boxes like slide open gradually. So it's not like you see the person straight away, but each person in the box is naked, like completely but naked. So like it slides up first. And so say if it's a girl contestant, so all, all the guys, the first thing you see is legs and cock. That's yeah. it. And it's full frontal, naked, cock. flaccid cock. Yeah. And then the camera does a zoom in on each contestant <laughs> and be like, this is contestant number one. Yeah. Contestant number two. Oh, is he? He's a shower, not a grower. And then three. And then you go all the way through it. And you're a bit like, oh, there's so many different shapes. Yeah. So many different shapes. And then, yeah. And yeah. then the, the, the main person has to vote somebody off just based on the fact that they don't like the shape of their willy the person will literally say oh like i really prefer tighter balls or i do like a long penis oh no the sh- the whole show is outrageous the, pr- the, the lady <laughs> who presents it says stuff like ding dong show us your schlong <laughs> It I is, love it. It's hilarious. It's worth a watch. YouTube I mean, it. Yeah, but you don't want to watch it with your gram. I mean, <laughs> it is like telly that you need to be on your own or with someone that you're very comfortable with to watch. And then at the end, say we're still with this woman, she picks a guy, so the guy comes out butt naked. She then goes off and takes all her clothes off, so they're both on the stage butt naked. It's all fannies and willies and tits and... It's just like, how is this a TV show? I mean, there's multiple series of it. Let me see how many series there are. There's a lot. I Mm. am not a prude, right? But I'm just like, how is this a game show on TV? Seriously. I think what it is, is we like, you know, there's that type of humour that's embarrassing humour, a bit like Borat. You know, it's just like really embarrassing, but funny. Yeah, That's what this is. And I twist and turn when I'm watching this I just die of embarrassment like and just cringe a lot of it is a lot of cringe when you're watching it so I don't it's tiring I swear I burn more calories watching that than what I do like on a hike because I'm just I'm literally sweating from embarrassment I just want to know who's going on there (laughs) yeah exactly who's thinking oh I know what I'm gonna go on that game show and get butt naked in front of the whole nation yeah. Oh, look, there's Sandra from Accounts. Because this has been running for 10 seasons Jesus. since 2016. <gasps> that is a lot of fanny and cock. 
With the girls, though, sometimes they start with the boobs. Oh, do they? No, they don't. It goes up to their, like, hips. Muff. Then up to their neck. Muff and boobs. And then their face. Muff, yeah. boobs, face. Thing is, I'd, I'd find it hard to stand there without holding my boobs. Don't they have to turn round as well and show their bums? If they're asked to, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, the whole programme is beyond me. It really is. I don't understand how it's on TV because it's just naked people. It is just naked people. I mean, surely people just have Tinder and Snapchat for that. Like, why do they need to make a program about it? I mean, I suppose it is the the fact that you kind of see all shapes and sizes of everything. But yeah, yeah, because the people nah. on there are just normal people. Like, they're not all muscly and buff and massive dicks. I mean, oh, literally just normal dry blogs. Yeah, you will have yeah. the yeah. pale, skinny. All sizes. Tiny willy guy on there. And it's like, why are you on there? This, this is so humiliating. She's going to... Yeah. And then she, then he gets eliminated because she goes, oh, he's got a tiny willy. But they don't. They don't eliminate the worst penis first. They don't. They never do. They never eliminate never. the person you're like, come on. They do tend to keep the big willies in for a little bit longer. <laughs> no, but like, if, say, you had like... A massive chode. <laughs> so oh, chode always makes me laugh. I've never heard that before. Is that a dick? <laughs> a, chode. a chode. A chode is like a really small, fat dick. Oh, small and fat. <laughs> like a thumb. Oh. Like a big yeah. thumb. Yeah, like a thumb. Think of like a big thumb or like a toe. A big toe. <laughs> Great. <laughs> A big toe dick. <laughs> you sound so happy to know. And chode, that sounds like a big toe dick. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> a chode. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. They might be a grower and it might turn into a lovely penis, but flaccid. A lovely slim swan of a penis rather than ugly toe duckling <laughs> of chode. <laughs> but they never eliminate the trade first. Oh. Never. No. Anyway, anyway. moving on. Anyway. People, if you've never seen Naked Attraction, go Google it because for Oh, it's on YouTube. You can get it on YouTube. <laughs> they blur it out though, because I had a quick look earlier. They do blur some of the stuff out. Oh, we're disappointed. Yeah, I was a bit, to be fair. Tash, have you got Tinder with Tash? I have actually. Ooh, let's get that jingle on. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Dash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out. Because it's Tinder with Dash. Good <laughs> <laughs> So this week on Tinder with Tash, I... <laughs> what? <laughs> Becky's possessed. Sorry, go Today's on. match, his about me says, devil emoji. Now tell me what it is that you truly desire, devil emoji. The Lord of oh, Naughtiness wants to fulfill your every <gasps> desire. The Lord of Naughtiness. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just yeah. cringe so hard. Yeah, my you... vagina just closed up. I think there's no yeah. hole left anymore. No. It's just like a, just an area now. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. am tall, athletic, with a lovely, big, soulful eyes. Doesn't make oh, sense. I thought he was going to say <laughs> something else then. So did I. Big. Soulful dick. And a cheeky <laughs> smile. I am also very romantic. Rose emoji. I am kind, caring and thoughtful and a great listener. I also play the guitar, adore music and sunny days. I also love giving pleasure. Wink face. Oh no, not the wink. He's sat down and he's like, what does every white girl want? Yeah. And he's just literally just like, oh yeah, guitar, romantic. (laughs) Sunny day. I mean, to be fair, the guitar, the guitar did swing me, but then he (laughs) ruined it. It's the, he started off bad with a bloody devil emoji. What, who does he think he is? I don't think you've even had the worst bit yet. Oh no. (gasps) Keep going. I love to give sensual massages and foot massages too. Yes, I have a thing for sexy feet. Of course you do. My hands are very talented. XX. Fucking hell. And then he has included his telephone number. His interests include heavy metal, hot yoga, self-care, spa and Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) and his name is supposedly lucifer now i don't want to assume but i think that's a fake name that's definitely a fake (laughs) name there's a lot to unpack there yeah with the first sentence being how it was i thought we were going on the fake dom kind of road like he was like yeah i'm like a dom and you know, and I believe in aftercare and all this shite. I thought it'd be... He's probably a two-pub wonder, isn't he? Yes. He's literally, I swear, he's just gone through, oh, what are all things that I think girls like? And he's gone and listed yeah. them all off. I mean, he started with the devil emoji, which makes you think, oh, he's a bit of a naughty boy, he's a bit kinky. And then he's like, I like sunny days and Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? So I matched with him purely for the banter and for the content, to be honest. Well, no, that was that was a good bio. I mean, no, that was a fucking horrible bio, but it was very entertaining. But I was hoping he was going to give me some more. So the conversation so far goes, hi. I just put, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hey, how's you? I put, I'm well, thank you. He put, good. Ugh. And that's the end of the conversation. You just put, K, and then, bye. I feel like Lucifer. You want to rub my feet? You need to try a bit harder, babe. Yeah. Yeah. That is the worst conversation ever. Dead, isn't it? Yeah. I just want to be sick. <laughs> I just want to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, isn't dating life thrilling? <laughs> absolutely thrilling sometimes the most excitement i've had this week and the tiktok boyfriend's turning out to be a bit of a flop and all yeah i 
again, I don't want to assume, but I think it's a scam. Yeah, mm, possibly. Or like someone's granddad. Maybe. That's got a bit lost online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right, so do you want me to get on with my story, part two of my two-parter? Crack on. Where is Abraham? Yeah. Well, as Also, you... the fact that you cannot say Abraham really cracked me up when I was editing. Bless your heart. Well, I wasn't I wasn't very well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think just got my voice back. How do you say Abraham? Abraham. Well, there we are then. Abraham. What was I saying? Abraham. <laughs> I can't. I can't even remember what you were saying, but you just gave. It up. was probably you... Abraham. Was it Abraham? Yeah, something, <laughs> something like, like that. that. I think I've got to articulate. You just like fuck it, Abe. So where's Abe? Just a very, very, very quick recap. Our G Abraham Shakespeare won seventeen million dollars in two thousand and six. He struggled with the large amount of cash that he'd won and wasn't really sure how to manage it. He was also surrounded by people that were just using him as a cash cow and a bank. So people were taking advantage of him. They knew he was mostly illiterate and could only really sign his name. And uh yeah, people just taking advantage of him. He'd already been taken to court by his ex-co-worker wanting a part, part of the money. And also he'd paid too much for his house. He'd paid over a million for it and it was worth less. Two years after his lottery win, nearly three years after, Abe stepped out of the spotlight and opted to keep a low profile. But then in April 2009, he completely disappeared. Right, so rumours were everywhere regarding his disappearance, starting at him leaving to live the high life away from his family and his... uh, So these are in very sarcastic speech quotes, friends. So he didn't really have many true friends, but he had a lot of people that followed him around since he won his money. His little barber friend was a good friend, wasn't he? Yeah, he's better, but still, I'm sure he probably got some money off him, I suppose. So they started at rumours like that, that he just kind of got away. And then also there were more sinister rumours saying that maybe he'd been kidnapped and murdered. Police found this very suspicious because they couldn't really find much of a trace of Abraham and his money spending for quite a few months. So they suspected that foul play probably was involved. I mean, I'm with them. It is all very suspicious. Very suspicious. So police had a job to do because, yes, Abraham gave a lot of his money away to a lot of people. But also he didn't give his money away to other people, maybe some bad people that thought they deserved some money. Would someone be willing to kidnap Abraham and hold him hostage for his money? Of course they would. A hundred percent. Yes. Abraham had also lent money to from some very sketchy people that were supposed to pay him back. Some of them apparently being drug dealers. And surprise, surprise, when they were supposed to pay the money back, they all just appeared. Convenient. Mm-hmm. And also, poor judgment on his part, really. Yeah. So you know the saying, more money, more problems. Mm-hmm. That's what the police were kind of thinking. So it kind of, quite a lot of people that were involved with him or involved with his money, so the investigation was going to be quite a big one. 
in the meanwhile, um, the news of Abraham's disappearance was gaining momentum in a bustling online forum called Web Sleuths. Trisha Griffith, a voiceover artist, owns the discussion platform where users scour the internet for clues and post their findings about unsolved cases. An awesome woman called Cindy Parrott, who goes by the pseudonym Sleuster, I hate that word, pseudonym, because I never know how to pronounce it. I think you did really well. Yeah. Uh, so her, uh, thank you. Uh, and she took a special interest in Abraham's case. She was among other users that started digging and trying to find clues, looking at everything from local news articles to property records. There's a Hulu documentary series called Web of Death, which has an episode about this case. And Cindy appears on that. At first, Cindy thought that maybe Abraham did just go off to some tropical island and he's just there drinking a margarita or something. But then as she looked into him and looked into stories about him, saw what people were posted about him, she discovered that he had a young son and he was close to the mother and he just didn't seem like a man that would just randomly take off. Cindy was very worried about this guy because she believed that something bad happened to him. So she really took into looking into it and trying to get, get to the bottom of this case. The sleucesters and police had a list of people that they wanted to look into. So number one, Michael Ford. So he was the co-worker that took him to court and they're thinking, hey, he didn't get his money. He obviously has a grudge against Abraham. And they tried to look at him, but he was eventually ruled out as a suspect as, I think it, excuse me, it was his work records and stuff showed that he wasn't in the area when Abraham disappeared. The other person was his baby mama. They had rekindled their relationship, so they were together again. But did she kill Abraham and just so that she got her part of the money, so keep all the money for herself? I was going to say, did they rekindle the relationship after he won the lottery? Because... They were always on again, off again. Yeah. Though they were, so it's just carrying on on their normal kind of thing that they do. Yeah, it's easier to go on again with a lottery winner though, isn't it? Yeah, no, I I don't know if they were together together or was just co-parenting, but he'd paid what he owed her in um, child support anyway. I assume that he gave her a bit of money as well, being the mother of, um, of his child. So there was that. There was another guy called Cedric, who was Abraham's cousin. Cedric had a criminal record, and apparently he felt that Abraham owed him something. Abraham lent him money so that he could buy himself a house, but Cedric felt that he should have just bought him the house outright rather than lend him money to buy it. But Cedric was actually one of the family members that reported him missing. But police were really suspicious of Cedric at first. There was his mate, Greg, the barber. Lots of people were talking about this white woman that was apparently walking around town with Abraham before he went missing. And that was his associate, Dee Dee. So Dee Dee didn't really know, well, didn't know Abraham at all before he won his money. She met him at a, like a business thing, like a, almost like a press conference about his lottery win. And she was so happy to meet him and she thought his story was brilliant. So she wanted to write a book about him like a rags to riches kind of thing. Yeah. And Abraham was really interested in that idea, so they kept in touch. Yeah. 
So she went from following him around to write this book to being friends with him and then eventually his business partner because Dee Dee was a type of uh, financial advisor. Okay. That's convenient. So, yeah, that that would be what Abraham really needed at the time. I must admit, when you brought her up last week when I was doing the editing, I was like, hmm. Dee Dee sounds suspicious. She does a little <laughs> bit. She does a little bit. Yeah. Well, get this. <laughs> uh, so the sleuth started searching public records about Dee Dee. She had a company called the American Medical Professionals, uh, which is like a, fi- I think, a financial advising firm for medical professionals so that they can, you know, it's giving them financial advice about their money. And then Dee Dee was very, very present on social media. And this is how she described herself on social media. <laughs> Sorry. Was it that she liked to play guitar sunny days and Harry Potter? And that she liked <laughs> No, I was, I was gonna I was gonna make a little joke about it, but I was like, nah, I don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, glad you I'm glad you stepped in that. <laughs> <laughs> she put I liked to enjoy each and every day life gives me. I'm a Leo, so I'm a leader, not a follower. My friend Trish says, I believe all things are possible. When I set my mind to something, I just do it. And I believe that everyone else should do the same. I love to laugh. I laugh a lot, but I'm very serious when it comes to business. So she's super full of herself. <laughs> yeah. It just annoyed me reading that. I was like... To be fair, when you started reading that, I was like, is she joking? (laughs) Yeah, I thought you were pretending to be Lucifer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what she wrote about herself. And on the um, documentary, they, they, it was a voice actress that read it out and she was like, I like to enjoy every day life gives me. I'm a leader, not a follower. (laughs) And she's like this horrible voiceover, like a really like, oh, what's the word? Yeah. Just what's the word? Obnoxious. Yeah, obnoxious. That's it. So yeah, that's how she describes herself on on social media. Bigs herself up. Dee Dee went from telling everyone that she's going to save Abraham from all these people that had just taken advantage of him to I'm going to be part of his business, and then at first their little partnership as well after they decided to open the business together, her side was supposed to be kind of like a debt collector for all the people that Abraham had lent money to. So that's what she was supposed to be doing. And then the money that she was collecting back was supposed to go back into the company that we're doing to help people in the community. But she, like, didn't do that. When the rumours got around to Dee Dee that Abraham had disappeared... She told people that, no, he's not dead, he's not disappeared, he's just dating a Jamaican girl. This was backed up by the fact that Abraham's baby mama was receiving texts from him saying that he'd left her for another woman, they were moving to Jamaica together, and he didn't want anything to do with her anymore. Oh. Oh. His family and friends would try and call him. Doesn't sound like the picture you've painted of him, to be fair. No. And he wouldn't pick up his phone, but then they'd get a text back saying, I'll call you later, 
I'm busy, I can't come to the phone right now. The problem being, as I've previously said, that Abraham was illiterate. He couldn't text very well at all. Ah. So he would always prefer a phone call to texting. So, yeah. It sounds like it might not be Abraham sending the texts. Could it be Didi? Could it be Didi? Could be, possibly. And also when they text asking things that weren't like public knowledge or wouldn't, not everyone would know, they just wouldn't text back. He wouldn't text back. Mmm, see? Mmm, yeah. It stinks. So, the web sleuths keep digging. Go on, web sleuths. Yeah. And these actually, for once, the sleuths were getting encouraged by one of the, the the detectives. They were actually working together on the case, which is great. Because a yeah. lot of the time, the, the police are like, no, let us do our jobs. Me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep out, Vic. Keep yeah. your nose out. Yeah. So this is good. So the sleuths keep digging in to DD's business. They find that the company, the American Medical Professionals Company, that's DD's company, that the address has changed. And it's changed to... Abraham's million dollar home is a dress. Right. So that's a little bit sketchy. The fact that her own company that she owned before Abraham has now changed to Abraham's home address. Hmm. And then also through social media, it was discovered that Dee Dee was actually living there and was bold enough to share pictures of her living it up on the property. Oh, that's just jammy that is, isn't it? Mm. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. Thus making Dee Dee the main suspect. They also found out that Dee Dee had access to all of Abraham's assets, his bank account, and she even had access to a safety deposit box. Police called Dee Dee down for an interview where she kind of explained away the fact that she was living in the house by saying that she had bought the house for 665k. So this from the person that says that she doesn't want anyone to take advantage of Abraham has now bought the house for half the price that he bought it for. And then also, for, I think for an amount of $180,000, she'd bought some loans that was owed to Abraham. And apparently these loans were worth way more than 180000 But she couldn't provide proof that she'd actually bought the house or bought the loans. Or anything. She could actually provide proof of it. So it was just like, oh yeah, I totally did that. But there's no proof there saying that she did. She also kept insisting that she doesn't know why people keep saying that he's missing. Because he's not missing. He's missing because he wants to be. He just wants to get away from it all. And she was helping him with his financials. So that he wouldn't be in trouble when he decides to come back. So as police were looking into her, they actually found that she had a criminal record. She had made a fraudulent insurance claim back in 2001. What it was is the car that she owned was going to be repossessed because she'd fallen behind on the payments. So she had someone store the car in a garage and then she pretended that she was kidnapped and sexually assaulted and carjacked. Investigators claim that she taped her own wrists and threw herself from someone else's car to bash herself up a little bit. And she even took a rape exam to prove that she'd been assaulted. Oh, God. So it ended up to be proven that it was not right and she got charged for it. 
but she didn't get any prison time or anything. That's the sort of person that we're dealing with. She sounds dodgy, Becky. I'm not going to lie. She sounds dodgy. Yeah. But then something happened is that Dee Dee found the online forum that was talking about the fact that Dee Dee might have killed Abraham. And she wrote a message on there and she basically said, I'm not a turtle. I have nothing to hide. <laughs> what? I got, what, what do turtles have to hide? Their heads. Their heads. They can hide inside their shell. So she was like, I have nothing to hide. I'm not a turtle. Yeah, but he's going, he's going for a kip. He's not like being suspicious. He's just like, oh, I'm a bit tired now. I'm going, I'm going in my shell. Yeah, or there's like this big shark trying to attach me. I'm just going to go and protect myself and go in my little shell. It doesn't make any sense, Dee Dee. Yeah. The fact that she went on a forum of people investigating her and like going on there and riling them all up probably wasn't a really good idea either. Because, yeah, so she basically said on this forum that it's all, she put deformation, but she means like defam, you know, like defamation and, uh, trying to make her look bad and, you know, they're all lying. It's all lies. I'm the only person that's protecting Abraham and on all this. And she said that she bought Abraham's house months before he went missing, told everyone that she was innocent and basically that they are all stupid for thinking that she's not innocent. When people would comment, what would comment and question, she would straight away reply like within minutes. You know, like people when they have like a public Facebook fight. This is what she was doing, but on to a for a full forum of people investigating her. So she's just making herself look worse. Later that year, just after Christmas, Dee Dee takes Abraham's mother to a restaurant to like a Cracker Barrel. That's like a little chain restaurant in, well, a big chain restaurant in uh, America. And lo and behold, when they're at the restaurant, wow, who does Dee Dee get a phone call from? <gasps> Abraham. So she passes the phone over to Abraham's mother and she has a little chat with him before it crackles and cuts off. But Abraham's mum was a bit like, nah, it didn't really sound like him. This is really weird. And he was like saying things that he wouldn't say. So the police would trace this call. And this call would go back to a man called Greg Smith. So do you remember Greg, the barber friend? Oh, we do indeed remember Greg Smith. Yeah. I was just saying he was a nice guy. Yeah. Well, listen, don't pass judgment quite, quite, quite yet. So, apparently, Dee Dee had paid him to make this phone call, but he wasn't really aware of who he was talking to or what. He knew something was sketchy was was going on, but he was, like, relaying with the police. So, the police asked Greg if he could help them with the investigation and, like, be a little bit of a mole. So, Dee Dee had asked him to make this phone call and pretend to be Abraham and that she was going to give him some money for it. She also offered Abraham's baby mama $200,000 if she would lie to the police and tell him that she had seen him recently. And also she'd sent a birthday card to one of Abraham's relatives with $5,000 in it to imply that it was from him. Greg was doing bits and bobs for DD, like weird stuff, like kind of shady stuff, but nothing like illegal really to gain Dee Dee's trust. And this is when Dee Dee told Greg that Abraham was involved in drugs 
and that she thinks that there was a guy that had killed Abraham over these drugs. Greg knew that that wasn't right because that wasn't the sort of thing that Abraham would do. And he didn't need to. He had loads of money. Why would he want to get involved in that? But then Dee Dee was all going on about everyone thinks that she did it. The police are moving in on her and she was really worried about it. So Greg said to Dee Dee that he could possibly pay one of his cousins to take the blame and go to prison to take the heat off her. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And Greg said, oh, well, really, if we need that to work, we need to know where he's buried. We need a body for that. Oh, and she was like, oh, you know what? I I just happen to know where the body is. Coincidence. I'll go and show you where that body is. So she got in a car and Greg followed in his car and she drove to a property. And the property was a property that Dee Dee had owned and that she'd bought with the money that she'd stolen off Abraham. She took him into the backyard and pointed, put a knife in the floor and said, Greg, this is where he is. This is where he's buried. So then the police close in and dig in the area that Dee Dee said Abraham was, and that's where they discovered his body. So Dee Dee had really given herself up with this. She's not very bright, is she? No. Yeah, so apparently she was going to pay this guy $50,000 to take the rap for that. She had also offered to pay someone else to dig up the body and move it to another location. So, yeah, she's like telling everyone that she knows where the body is. <laughs> Multiple people there. Also, so she's she's paying, she's offering to pay $50,000 to somebody to take the blame for his death. Yeah, and then pay $200,000 to his baby mama for her to say that she'd seen him recently. So she's really spending the money because that the baby mama one was a little while before. It's really conflicting. So she's paying people to say we've seen him and now she's paying other people to say, oh no, we've killed him. Yeah. Uh, well, this, the one that she wanted to give money saying that she'd see, they'd seen him was before she before police started closing in on her as much. Oh, I see. You know, this is done over an amount of time. It's not all in the next few, in you know, days after each other. What's this person going to do with, what was it, $50,000? Yeah, when he's like 25, <laughs> yeah, 25 years in prison. What, yeah, what's the point to that? What are they going to spend it on? I don't know. I think they were thinking, oh, yeah, 20 years in prison, that's not that much, but 20 years in prison. That's a hell of a long time. Yeah. If you go to prison when you're 30, that means you're not getting out until you're 50. Well done, Becky. Good maths. You know, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know what I mean? There's a difference between 30 and 50. <laughs> there definitely <laughs> is. 20 years, in fact. Yeah. Who would have thought? But you know what I mean? Like with the way, the way that you live your life in between those two ages. It's worth more than 50000 to me. Did somebody accept that? No, it was just part of, like, the police sting. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, no, but I, yeah, they told Dee Dee that someone was accepting it, but they okay. need a body to make it more real. So, yeah, police went and arrested Dee Dee, who denied everything. Of course she did. Of course she did. I don't know how you can deny it at that point. They found the body. In your backyard. So, yeah, she tried to play off that... uh, What was her lie? She said that 
because of drugs and someone was after her. That Abraham apparently had gotten involved with these drug dealers and they said that they were going to kill him. And they also said to her that they were going to make her disappear if she didn't leave it alone and, you know, not report it or anything like you've gone missing. So she was making out that she was scared for her life. These um, made-up drug dealers were supposed to come and kill her if she said anything. Yeah, yeah. That was her defense. Really credible. I believe her. Oh, you'd be the only one. (laughs) (laughs) Her and her defense lawyer, I suppose. So anyway, no one was having her lies anymore. And on the 10th of December 2012, Dee Dee was convicted of first-degree murder for the killing of Abraham Shakespeare and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. With an additional minimum sentence of 25 years for possessing a gun in the course of a violent felony. She shot him. That's how how he died. So that's where the extra... Poor um, Abraham. Can you imagine you win the lottery and then some fucking bitch comes and murders you? Oh, no. Bless him. After a life of poverty... You finally had a chance. Well, it just shows what money does to people. It just turns them... I mean, I'm sure Dee Dee was a, a complete... Well, as we see from what she'd already done for money, she was obviously a complete and utter twat. But just a real... It just brings out the worst in people, this money. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm very glad I haven't got any. <laughs> I'd rather still win it. You know. <laughs> But just in case you're all thinking a bit like me and that you'd still rather win the lottery, there are many other stories of a lottery curse where bad things happen to its jackpot winners. There was a case of a man called Billy Bob Harrell Jr. And after winning $31 million on the Texas lottery, he thought he had it all. Before he won, he was struggling to support his wife, his teenage children, And his small salary from the Home Depot where he worked just weren't enough to cover um, his debts and stuff. So in 1997, he and his wife celebrated in their living room after finding that they had won the jackpot. And two years later, unable to take the pressure of constantly lending money to friends and dealing with the strange relationships in his family... Harold shot and killed himself in a bedroom in his home in Texas. Oh, dear. Bless him. I think it's just people just must be at you all the time. Yeah. It just must be awful. Uh, and there was another one, Jeffrey Dampier. So he was from Chicago. He was the lucky winner of 20 million in his home state in 1996. He reportedly spent most of his earnings on those around him, even sending 38 members of his family on a seven-day Caribbean cruise. His sharing didn't stop there. He also bought houses and cars for his parents and siblings, but not everyone showed their appreciation. In 2005, Victoria Jackson, Sir Sir Geoffrey Dampier's sister-in-law, kidnapped and murdered him, leaving his body in his truck. Jesus. What is wrong with these people? Anna. One more, Jack Whittaker. And uh, at the time of his lottery victory, Jack had the highest jackpot ever in American lottery history with a single ticket bought and he won the 315 million 
in the Powerball multi-state lottery. Gee, that's an insane amount of money. Ridiculous, isn't it? (laughs) So after he won, he donated a lot of money to churches, charities. This didn't stop the lottery curse from following him. So at first, $545,000 in cash was stolen from his car while he was in a strip club. Okay. Yeah, but that's a lot of money to just leave in your car. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. A second time, $200,000 was stolen, but was later recovered. Stop having so much cash on you. Yeah, these problems were minor compared to what happened next. Oh, God. His granddaughter's boyfriend was found dead in his home, reportedly from a drug overdose, as if one death wasn't enough. Several months later, Jack Whitaker's granddaughter was also found dead from a drug overdose. Five years later, Jack's daughter, who was the mother of his deceased granddaughter, was also found dead. I know that those can happen, you know, unfortunate events like that can happen if you win the lottery or not, but it's just a lot of bad things to happen in a row. And there we are. So next time you think that all your problems will be solved by winning the lottery, you may want to think again. Yeah, money can't buy you everything. Nope. So there we are. That's all my story. That's the story of Abraham Shakespeare. Well, thanks, Bex. Thanks, Becky. I'm so conflicted because I still want to win the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) But I also don't. (laughs) I do, but I just really hope that the, the curse wouldn't follow us. Buy your lottery ticket at your peril. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's let's stick a trailer here. (laughs) Wind down from that. Yeah, there we go. Have a trailer. And I hear them call me by, by my name. So I run into the kitchen to check and there's nobody there. And I start to like hear like my closet door start to open. Oh hell no! Like, oh, my God. Inside. oh hell no! All of a sudden, for no reason, I woke up in the middle of the night. Like my eyes just snapped open, and it's that strange feeling that you have when something wakes you up. You and you don't know what has woken you up until you either see what it was or you hear whatever it was. If you like all things spooky, check out a Spooky Tales. We, Christina, and MJ talk about all things spooky like haunted places, myths, and legends. With a focus on Latin America. New episodes every Friday. Listen in your favorite podcast apps as well as SpookyTales.com. Right. Now, I've got actually a really nice story. Yay! I lied. Oh. It's horrendous. <laughs> I really thought you were telling the truth. (laughs) Uh, I could never be a policeman. (laughs) Are you ready for some, this is some fucked up shit? Oh, I don't know now. I think we should just go home. (laughs) Cut our losses. (laughs) Right, so this is a little bit true crimey. In fact, it's a lot true crimey, but also with a little paranormal twist. Oh, I like it. It sounds like an ice cream. But yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's definitely spine chilling. That's on theme then. So I am going to tell you the story of Madame Delphine Lalaurie. (gasps) Never heard of it. Buckle in, it's going to be a bumpy ride. 
Here we go. I do like the name Delphine, though. I will say that. Oh, yeah, she was a lovely lady. Until she wasn't. She was not. Right, here we go. Marie Delphine McCarty was born in New Orleans in 1787, so quite a long time ago. She had a pretty normal upbringing. She led her life without any real issues. Um, She was a big part of the New Orleans high society. She married twice. She had five children in total, but both husbands died suddenly. And what was a normal childhood back then? Like only two siblings died in infancy or isn't that back when everyone died? (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably. But she was part of the upper class, so she was quite privileged. Oh, good. She was in a good, yeah, where you'd want to be back then. Yeah, exactly. She would marry once more to a French man named Dr. Louis Lallerie. That's a bit of a mouthful, that, isn't it? Louis Lallerie. Louis Lallerie. Yeah, it's quite hard. This man was quite a lot younger than her, so... Oi, oi. You go, you go, Delphine. Cool girl. And together they had two daughters, so now she's had a a total of seven kids. They lived together at 1140 Royal Street. And this is where the story begins of how Marie Delphine Lallerie turned into Madame Lallerie, America's first serial killer. (gasps) Delphine would throw lavish parties and was well-liked in the community. She was polite and kind to the slaves that she would encounter, of course, during this period, were right smack in the middle of slavery, which absolutely fucking sucks. But there is going to be a lot of it in this story, so I'm really sorry if, if it's triggering, if you don't like it. This is probably one to skip. Yeah. So she was polite and kind to the slaves that she would encounter when she was out and about, which stood out at the time. Sad to say that, isn't it? It, yeah, it is. That it was, it was controversial, uh, controversial to be nice to people. Yes. And Mm. she even let two of her own slaves free. After a bit of digging, though, it must be noted that one was set free after the wishes of her deceased husband. And the other, possibly, was because it was socially frowned upon to keep older slaves that had served well and behaved correctly. Just typing that made me shudder. Oh, yeah. She appears to be very kind to her staff. Staff? Yeah, to her slaves. Yeah, her unpaid staff. Yeah. But as nice and kind as she appeared outside, inside her own home was a different matter. Delphine had 50 slaves at any given time. 50? 50, yep. Fucking hell. And she only set two free? Yeah, she set two free. Okay. What a hero. And why Madame Lallerie began mistreating her slaves is a mystery. Some speculate it could be because slaves had murdered her uncle in a rebellion. Others say that she was driven mad by her cruel husband who treated her badly. She actually asked to be divorced, saying that the way he treated her was unbearable and she could no longer stand it. Her claims were backed up by two of her children. By all accounts, her husband was not a great guy. Well, is that, is that the slave's fault, though, really? Nope. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nonetheless, 
people began noticing that her slaves looked malnourished and haggard when they were out in public. She was also said to beat her daughters, especially if they tried to help or feed the slaves. The rumours spread like wildfire. Even though slavery was absolutely legal, the owners had to give a certain amount of care to their servants. Eventually, a lawyer went to the house and warned Madame Lalaurie about how she looked after her staff. And even though he didn't find any signs of wrongdoing, she sold a few of her slaves to kind of take the spotlight off her. It must have been bad for someone to go around and check. Yeah. They must have been in a state. But the damage had been done to her reputation and the rich and respected no longer wanted to be associated with her. After the first incident with the lawyer, a neighbour saw a little girl, probably around 10, climb out of a window of the house onto the roof and fall to her death, trying to escape Madame Lalaurie, who was behind her waving around a whip. The little girl's crime? She had slightly tugged on Delphine's hair whilst brushing it. Oh my God, brush your own fucking hair. The little girl who was called Leah, or Leia, I think she was called Leia, was buried on the property in a shallow grave. Oh, baby. And when the neighbour reported this, an investigation was opened and her body was found, as were many other bodies. Oh, dear. These were possibly the bodies of Delphine's slaves that had just vanished without a trace. There was about 20 of her slaves that just vanished. Vanished into the ground. Yeah. After being murdered. Possibly. Yeah, probably. As a result, Delphine was told that she had to sell a further nine slaves, which she did, but soon after she got her family members to buy them back for her. And people knew that she'd done this, but they kind of turned a blind eye to it. Mm. Yes. I'm not surprised. Funeral registers show that 12 of Madame Lullery's slaves died whilst in her care. The cause of death was often not stated, but in one instance it was her cook. Now, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Bon or Bonnie, and all her four children. That, to me, doesn't scream accident, right? If it's a mum and all four kids. Well, no, not really. On April 10th, 1834, a fire broke out at the mansion. The police and the fire brigade turned up and found that the fire had been started in the kitchen by the cook a 70-year-old woman who was chained to the stove. She apparently set the fire. Now, there was two different explanations to why. She either set the fire to show what horrible conditions the slaves were kept in, or she set it because she just couldn't take it anymore and she was trying to commit suicide. Either way, the fire was now consuming the house. As other ladies gathered to help Delphine collect all her clothes and jewellery, The men were asking, where are the slaves? To which she simply replied, none of your business. Her ex-husband, Louis, so the cruel doctor, he was also there during this fire. And they also asked him, where can we find the slaves? His reply, some people had better stay home rather than come to others' home to dictate laws and meddle with other people's business. So this is how the Lalauries are reacting to people who are trying to save slaves out of their burning house. Yeah. That doctor probably is a piece of work, though. 
He sounds like it. Oh, he's a complete piece of shit, but nothing yeah. compared to his wife, I don't think. So they eventually did find the slave quarters, and when they broke the door down, as Delphine had refused to give them the keys, the sight they saw was beyond comprehension. They had found uh. Madame Larie's torture chamber. They saw heaps of corpses, organs and limbs. Some slaves were pinned to tables with their limbs stretched so much that they were nearly falling off. Others had been shoved into small cages. Now to get in there, they would have had to break a lot of their joints that had now reset, leaving these poor people completely deformed. Oh my God. Yeah, this is horrendous. People had their eyes gouged out. One woman had her mouth full of animal shit and sewed shut. Oh my God. Fingernails and ears had also been torn off. A lot had flayed off skin with severely infected wounds. So she'd skinned them. Yep. Oh. One woman had her skin peeled off in spirals to make her look like a caterpillar. Another had her bones broken and reset to make her look like a crab. What the fuck? And another who had her own intestines wrapped around her waist like a belt. Most of these people were still alive. Oh my lord. But very badly mutilated, starving and deprived. One man had a hole drilled into his head and Delphine would use a stick to mix up his brains. A lot were suspended by their necks, or worse, collars with inward-pointing spikes. There was a man with his hands cut off and sewn back in odd parts of his body, and another woman with her tongue cut out and sewn onto her chin. A lot of people were covered in honey, and they were being eaten alive by ants, and every single person they found was covered in maggots. What the fuck is going on? The extent of Madame Lalaurie's depravity shocked everyone, and very soon there was a mob of 4,000 people ransacking and looting her house as the fire blazed. During the chaos, Delphine managed to escape to the docks and apparently fled to Paris. And then, we don't really know what happened. Some say she died in 1842 or 1849 and was dug up to be buried in New Orleans, Others say she returned to Louisiana to continue her sick and twisted cruelty. Others believe that she never really left. The day after it gets worse. Wait, no, that's a lie. It doesn't get worse, but it doesn't get any better. The day after the fire, people passing in front of the house could hear screams. They assumed that they were the screams of the dead and that they were hearing ghosts. The reality, however, is far worse and would only be discovered sometime later as remodelling work was being done on the property. Multiple skeletons were found under the floorboards. Evidence shows that they were buried alive and those were the screams people were hearing after the fire. Oh my god. What a nightmare. Oh, it's just the stuff of absolute nightmares. It sounds made up, doesn't it? It's that bad. And it's not. It's not made up. As for the slaves that were rescued from the fire, some died pretty soon afterwards. The others, such as human morbid curiosity, were put on display to the public to show just what a monster Delphine Lallery was. Can you imagine that? 
you go through all that and then you're just like shown off as in some yeah. kind of freak show. That's awful. <sighs> Horrible. However, there is some evidence to her being in Paris in form of letters to her children that show that she was quite settled there and that she didn't understand why she had been chased away from New Orleans. She showed no remorse, and worse, she didn't think she'd done anything wrong. I mean, that is just absolutely chilling. Mm. Yeah, well, she's just a psychopath, isn't she? She can't understand why... She, her, her mentality is literally like, they're only slaves, why is everybody yeah. pissed at me? Yeah, they're not people, not real people, that's what she thinks. Yeah. God. I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, it's horrific. It is horrific. In 1837, a man bought the house, but he didn't live there long as it's reported he fled in the middle of the night, terrified by the disembodied screams he could hear in the house. After the Civil War, the house became a school for African-American girls. The girls would often come crying to the teachers, saying that they'd been attacked and show their arms were covered with scratches and bruises. When asked who had done this to them, they always had the same reply, that woman. Could this have been the ghost of Madame Lalaurie? After the school closed down, it was turned into a dance conservatory, but again, this did not last. Then a man named Jules Vigny secretly moved into the property, only to be found several years later dead on a sofa. Oh my God. The house was then turned into a boarding house. The tenants there said they too heard the disembodied screams and they often saw a naked black man in chains wandering the halls. One man said he was tormented by a demon and that it would not rest until he was dead. This man was found brutally murdered in his room. Could it have been the angry spirits that remained trapped in this house of horrors? I've never heard of a ghost committing a murder, but it makes you wonder as the man was so troubled by spirits and demons before his demise. Afterwards, it became a furniture store and then a saloon, but nothing ever lasted. The ghostly hauntings were too frightening, and sooner or later, they scared everyone away. The house then went from owner to owner, no one ever staying very long. One of the old owners said the house was very frightening. She had lived there as a young girl, and she had seen a little girl sat on the roof once, without knowing the story about the poor little slave girl, Leah. She said doors open and close by themselves, furniture would move, taps would turn on and off, they would hear screams and moaning. Her father once saw a man in a top hat appear from behind his wardrobe. When the little girl had grown up, she returned to the house to make peace, as she'd been so traumatised by it, only to be pushed over inside by an invisible force. She then decided to never set foot back in Lallory Mansion. <laughs> that seems wild. Well, I don't blame her. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, the actor, has been one of the owners of the house. Oh. He bought it to write a horror novel, but after his first night, he never slept in the house again. He too Ooh. heard the disembodied wails and started having horrendous nightmares. He felt that the house had cursed him, and his box office records do support this theory, as it would seem that many people before had also been cursed by the house. 
and so he went to see a psychic medium to ask how to get rid of the curse. She said that he had to be buried near Marie Laveau's grave when he died. Now, do you know who Marie Laveau is? No. No. She was known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans, and she was buried in Cemetery One in New Orleans. Ah, okay. The problem being that this very old cemetery was full, so Mr. Cage had bodies moved so he could build himself a tomb next to her grave. He had a nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped mausoleum built, ready for when he dies. It doesn't have a name on it, only the Latin phrase amnia ab uno, which means everything from one. Even though this eccentric behaviour is surprising, it might not be entirely ridiculous. Ghost tours never stand directly in front of Lallery Mansion, because apparently people have had negative energies attach themselves to them and have gone home with the tourists. So to play it safe, they only go on the road opposite to look at the house and learn of its history. On one occasion, as a tour guide told the group about the little girl, Leia, the street lights flickered, and when she mentioned her name again, they all blew out altogether, causing quite a kerfuffle, as you can imagine. But there was a kerfuffle. Lots of fuffling and kerfuffling. Yeah. Fluffling. Yeah. It's now privately owned and is closed to the public, but the staff that work there still continue to say that the doors slam, objects move, and that the voices of the poor souls that were tortured there hundreds of years ago still remain inside its walls. And there you go. Who would want to buy a house that was full of people that were murdered? Well, Nicolas Cage, apparently. (laughs) Lots of people do, though, don't they? They love it. Uh, so yeah that was fun that was really fun really horrible but really interesting makes me really disgusted to be uh of our history i know that it's not like british history it was in it was in new orleans but we were just as bad oh we were just as bad british people have done horrendous things we're like the worst (laughs) um but yeah it's just uh it's horrible to think that it was just so normal back then and like a sign of wealth to have a load of slaves. It's just horrible. And then what they went through was just horrific. And the fact that someone set themselves on fire, chained themselves to a stove and set the house on fire. No, she was chained. She she didn't chain herself. She was oh, just she was chained. chained. All right. She was chained to the stove as a cook, but she was starving to death. So she had to stand there, cook food for the family, but she wasn't actually allowed to eat. And if um, Delphine Lallery's daughters went to try and feed her, then they got really badly beaten as well. So she was just a complete fucking psychopath. A piece of actual shit. I'm glad she's dead. She is indeed very, very dead by now. But um, see, people are outraged because of the absolute intensity of like just pure horrendousness but like the spiked collars and hanging people by their necks and chains and stuff that was quite common practice oh really yeah that was kind of deemed almost acceptable yeah which i I was totally shocked by what like suitable punishment for your slave yeah hang them up for a few hours with a spiky collar so that they'd learn that's horrific 
But these people had been in in these quarters for months. What, the fact that people's bones were broken and had reset in the wrong position? They were there for ages. That's vile, isn't it? It doesn't bear thinking about, really. Horrific. Poor people. And the guy that was getting his brain stirred and stuff, he was still alive. I have no doubt he died very shortly afterwards, but when they found him... Yeah, that's too much, isn't it? What? I just don't understand what possesses somebody to do that. I think evil. I do think people are like, oh, mental illness. I think she was just an evil fucker. And yes, a psychopath. But it's so weird because she had this entire life where she was completely normal and then she just switched. It's so strange. Or maybe, maybe not. Maybe she was always a little bit weird, but just didn't have the opportunity to like feed her obsessions and like feed her need to hurt people before that she had a lot of slaves to take her anger out on or play out her desires. To be, uh, to be fair, it sounds like her husbands before were pretty decent because like one of them had said it was his dying wish that his slave was like set free. So, yeah, maybe she didn't have that opportunity until she married this absolute monster doctor and then he just didn't give a shit what she did. Fuck, I mean, I don't know. You can't understand. You can't understand crazy, can you? No, no, you can't make sense of it. I just feel just awful. It was an icky story, wasn't it? I feel dirty. It was very horrible. icky. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. Anyway, Tash little horror song mm-hmm. are you ready i was born ready mate i can't keep it in anymore lord knows i've tried i've been in a kingdom of isolation it's brewing inside me i won't be able to conceal it anymore when i see you it only makes the feeling grow like a storm raging on i beg myself i plea and i cry but all i want to do is let it go Let it take over. You will never be the same again if I do. The blood will flow. Here I stand and here I stay, looking over you, the blood turning to ice, your eyes staring at me. The perfect girl is gone. Hell to the yes, she's gone. (laughs) Guys, if I don't get, like, bombarded with your answers for that one. Like a gush. A literally gush. gushing oh i don't like the word gush and neither do i and i feel really really sick <laughs> i've said it <laughs> literally nah, a gushing it's a gusher it's a gusher I tell you what gushing reminds me of the elevator scene in the shining oh yeah that gushed yeah i'll tell you what gushing reminds me of giving birth when the water's going yeah the, the uh placenta actually no that doesn't gush that fl- flops. That, that, oh, that does this. Jesus. Oh, let's not talk about that. If you can recap the placenta, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jellyfish. <laughs> no, let's not talk about uh, placenta. So, yeah, your answers can be sent to our Facebook page, which is far, uh, f- fart? No, it's not. <laughs> Which is fight brain fight at fight.com gush gush. Facebook is Spine Chillers and Serial Killers podcast, which is also our YouTube channel. You can contact us, Tasha. 
SCSK underscore podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. That's where we are. And you can also send us an email with all of your suggestions uh, and also your answers to the songs, story suggestions. I'll just to reach out and say hello. And the email address is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Voilà. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe, my man. Please do. We appreciate that. Tash, just before we go, I've got to show you a picture. Me? Is it of something gushing? I mean, Becky can look as well. A listener sent me a picture just for you. Oh, yeah. Sake. I don't know if I want to look at it. I bet it's a cockerel. No. Right, I've sent it. No, that's... Oh, fuck's sake. No, it's not fine. <laughs> what is wrong with people? <laughs> Did you make it big? Did you have a good look? Yeah, but I don't... Oh, don't, because it actually makes me feel funny. I don't <laughs> understand why. Why? I think those are quite charming. I have those shoes, so... Uh... <laughs> charming? No. Charming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wear them, and people, people will say, your shoes are very charmant, are very charming. They're not shoes, they're socks. They're yeah, socks that go but in it your makes shoes, your shoes look cool. It doesn't. <laughs> it makes you look like a six-year-old boy wearing them. <laughs> Maybe that's what I am. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it. She's not a fan. Are you going to dish the dirt on who sent that? Oh, that was John. John, I thought we were friends. Never again. Never more. <laughs> 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 no. Right. Let's leave. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye 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 bye. bye.